You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective. "'Twas the deepest December, or else the next month, at just after breakfast, if not before lunch, that the small crowd assembled and looked to the sky, in hopes that an airplane would soon pass them by. When out of the blue came a troubling clatter, and only two men could tell what was the matter. But one was a con man, and the other had been fired, for trying to say how the former had conspired to build businessmen, senators, the Air Force as well into buying a flying machine that just fell. This show is the constant, and it rhymes like a song. It's a history of how we have gotten things wrong. I am Mark Chrysler, your host, if you will it, and this episode is The Christmas Bullet. William Whitney Christmas, born 1865, is the man with the plan that became the nosedive. Before 1919, when he launched that connivance, he worked as a doctor, though I can't find his license, or records at all, let alone a diploma that would cause folks to trust him to treat their glaucoma. And maybe they didn't, for by 1908, Bill Christmas had closed up and wiped off his slate. It was that year, he said, that he built his first plane, and flew it himself, or Virginia terrain. Astounding, where is it? You might rightly inquire. Well, to keep it a secret, he lit it on fire. Or that's what he said, though it made little sense. But what can you do? Dr. Bill was intense. There aren't any pictures, no film, not a witness. But that didn't stop Christmas from starting a business. In Arlington, Virginia, in the county clink, Mr. Creed M. Fulton sued Christmas Airplane, Inc. Creed was an investor, along with two others, whom Christmas had promised to give their due druthers. For a meek little buy-in, 1,200, no more, Bill Christmas said all of the backers would score. But after the first check, another was needed, for materials, travel, and some ventures he'd seeded. Just a touch more money, that's all it would take. Say, 2500 to keep up your stake. The three men delivered, though no plane had been made. Still, when it arrived, it would be a fair trade. Or if, I should say, because it never got built. Yet that broken promise couldn't establish guilt. In October the next year, the suit was dismissed, leaving Fulton and friends out of money and pissed. While our hero, or villain, or whatever he was, walked away thousands richer through his own bylaws. For the next couple years, Christmas's path gets confused. I keep trying to trace it, and that's left me bemused. Some say that in this time he did learn how to fly, built a plane called the Redbird, which soared through the sky. 
and yet there's no proof to sort out whether he lied, except for a patent that was tray plagiarized. The design he stole outright, and what's still more absurd, the original was too called, get this, the Red Bird. But of course Bill would loot it like a thief in the night. He'd have to to make planes when he knew nothing of flight. He was merely a doctor, if indeed he was that, so it's hardly surprising his ventures fell flat. But in 1914, Christmas tried it once more. Circumstances had changed, and the world was at war. He collected his money, his quarters and dimes, and bought up an article in the New York Times, which, as strange as it seems, is a thing you could do, even if what you wrote was entirely untrue. And so that was the case on December the 5th, when the Times told a story that was more like a myth of warplanes called battle cruisers, which Christmas could build. In fact, he had orders from France that he'd filled. The bombers were huge, and the bombers were speedy. He'd sell them to the U.S. if they felt so needy. Of course, there were no bombers, nor contracts from France. Bill Christmas was lying, you could tell at a glance. So he dreamt up one last plan, and this one was bonkers. I'll tell you all about it after this word from our sponsors. This episode of The Constant is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you could use some extra support, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. With BetterHelp, you can connect with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment on your own time and at your own pace via secure video, phone, chat, or text sessions with your own therapist. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, LGBT matters, trauma, relationships, anxiety, sleeplessness, and more. Anything you share with them is confidential, and if at any time you're not satisfied with your counselor, you can request a new one. BetterHelp's secure, convenient, professional counseling is available as soon as 24 hours after signing up and worldwide. Best of all, it's affordable, and financial aid is available for those who qualify. And on top of that, Constant listeners get 10% off their first month with discount code THECONSTANT. That's one word, the constant. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com slash TheConstant. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's BetterHelp.com slash TheConstant. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. 
Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. Yeah. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. The challenge at hand, and it had to be done was to figure a way out to win World War I. The trenches were nightmares, the peace movement too silly. But if one man could put things to bed, it was Billy. There were no big bombs in William Christmas's plot. No, he would end the war without firing a shot. The trick was to sneak deep into the German realm and come out having kidnapped the Kaiser, Wilhelm. One plane and one pilot would fly high and fast sneak into Berlin, and achieve peace at last. Now, who would pay up? Who would snatch all the glory? Why, leave it to Henry and Alfred McCory. The brothers had money from their brokerage firm, which they'd gladly invest, if Christmas could confirm, that he had the means to get such a craft airborne. Could he build airplanes? Ha! He answered with scorn. Why, he'd only built dozens, or at least four or three, He was happy to tell all about them with glee. First off was the plane he had made in 08. Where is it, they asked. Well, it's hard to locate. Before it got stolen, or what's worse, outmoded, I decided to have the whole damn thing exploded. He explained the Redbird, the one he had purloined, and finally, to stop this, he loudly enjoined that they stop listing credits, they cease making rhymes. Perhaps they'd read about him in the New York Times? The brothers were convinced by Christmas and his barmy. But not only them, there was also the army, who lent the effort and engine to power the plane, which we should describe, because it was insane. Most of the bullet followed flight orthodoxy, though the tail was quite small and the body too boxy. The wings were the things that most shattered the mold, and on their innovation, the bullet was sold. To build the Christmas bullet, Bill followed his guts, which meant affixing the wings without supports or struts. Instead, they'd just hang there from the top of the body. Like literally hang, all droopy and shoddy. They were heavy and tied up with thick fabric wrap, in the hopes that when the bullet got flying, they'd flap. For to reach such high speeds, this was Bill's secret word, that the bullet would flutter its wings like a bird. With that secret sauce, it could make 200 per hour, which would by far exceed the then-current air power. All that was left was to find someone to build it, who wouldn't say mum about Christmas's bullshit. Enter Continental Aircraft, which the McCorys bought, so as to follow whatever William Christmas thought. But there was one problem, 
one small wrench in the gear. His name was Bernelli, the chief engineer. Vincent Bernelli, inventor of the flying wing, looked at the bullet and said, what the hell is this thing? This monstrosity couldn't possibly fly. And if you attempt it, somebody will die. But no one would listen. Vince was undermined. And rather than take it, he chose to resign. By 1918, the plane was done. Build supplied it. Now all they needed to find was someone to fly it. Which was easier to say than to do, they soon found, as no one who looked thought it'd get off the ground. Years went by without progress until the war was done. Even without the bullet, the Allies had won. To the William Christmas, this seemed not at all fair. He was still determined to get his plane in the air. Then, finally someone with the balls and the skills, a U.S. male pilot who was called Cuthbert Mills. Mills had not a doubt, no suspicion or qualm. He was so excited, he'd invited his mom to come watch him soar in the flapping contraption. She'd surely be proud to see him in the action. Twas the deepest December, or else the next month, at just after breakfast, if not before lunch. The bullet was gassed up, the pilot had been hired. Now let's ask the reporters for what next transpired. It reached a top speed of 190 in flight, according to journalist J.D. Van Vleit. Cuthbert Mills sang its praises. It's the best plane I've known. Once the bullet got up there, it flew on its own. The flapping weird wings were a rousing success. Can you believe that? Well, if not, I confess that there is a lie here, and this is the gist. The man J.D. Van Vleit didn't really exist. His report was a fiction cooked up once again by William Wallace Christmas to sell people his plane. To find the real story, we have to rewind. If we go back to that flight, what will we find? But Vincent Bernelli, who snuck into report on the frightening test he had tried to abort. Twas the deepest December, or else the next month, at just after breakfast, if not before lunch, that the engine got turning, the plane floated aloft, and then swept through the sky, till its wings broke right off. The bullet had fallen from the skies like a bomb, and Cuthbert Mills died there in front of his mom. But Christmas denied it and wrote up the deception. Then he celebrated and threw a reception. He told everybody that the bullet had worked, while he made sure poor Cuthbert Mills' murder was burnt. Bernelli thought at least this was the end of the crock, but it turned out he underestimated the doc. With all the false coverage of his fake victory, Christmas returned to the army with an inquiry. Would they lend him the parts to build yet another? Given how well the first went, why wouldn't we, brother? For the second bullet, I'll save you the yarn. The wings broke, and it crashed, straight into a barn. But not according to Christmas and dear J.D. Van Vleit, who reported another incredible flight. With everything going just as well as he planned, Christmas sold the army his patent for a cool 20 grand. His objective complete, he was off like a shot. How I wish I could tell you, Bill Christmas got caught. No, the actual ending will give you the hives. For Bill, who took thousands of dollars and two lives, 
lived high on the hog on Florida's golden shore and died peacefully at age 90 and four. But on this holiday, it's the least we can do to try to remember the people he screwed, poor Cuthbert, the pilot, and then his successor, and let's not forget his poor mother, God bless her. Bernelli, who saw disaster he tried to prevent, and all the investors whose money Bill spent. To them and to you, Merry Christmas, be well. But William Willard Christmas can fly straight to hell. If this episode's music made an impression, you can thank Lee Rose Vare and the Blue Dot Sessions. Oh, and let's not forget the great Kevin McLeod. All three of them should be endlessly proud, as I am to have listeners of your echelon. Oh, hey, if you've got money, try my Patreon. For those who have given, I offer special thanks. You put food on my table and cash in my banks. On Killian Murphy, on Jake Woods, I applaud. On Luke Holiday and on Francesca Todd, on Sin Turtle, on Ozzy, and on to one other. His name is Scott Chrysler, and guess what? He's my brother. We're a proud part of a collective called Hub and Spoke, who make audio your imagination to stoke. Our newest member is one you will find vital, a podcast about linguistics that's called Subtitle. Their latest story is on the language of diamonds, the words that disguise how folk die trying to find them. It's clever and smart and a little frustrating. I recommend you go listen to the stuff they're creating. That's all for today, but we'll have more again soon. Until that time comes, please allow me to croon. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to all girls and boys from the constant nestled here in Chicago, Illinois. The trick was to sneak deep into the German realm. The trick was to sneak deep into the German realm. Boy, that's the scansion on that. (laughs) Not great. Not great, Bob. <laughs>